You're listening to Deus et Machina, a podcast that brings people together for short conversations about religion and technology. Our first season has to do with artificial intelligence. I am your host, Matthew Vaughn. My co-host for each episode will be Norm Jackness, a professor of technology management at Columbia University. In this episode, Norm and I sit down to talk with Suzanne von Krenz, who is currently a postdoctoral research associate at Princeton University's Center for Culture, Society, and Religion. Suzanne is helping Norm and me think big picture through the roles that religion might play in helping us envision a tech-rich future. Perhaps more than in previous episodes, this conversation teased out some of the different approaches each group member has taken. Suzanne, very broadly speaking, why do you feel like putting religion and computer technologies, however one might define them, we're talking specifically about AI, but why these two things do they, why should they go together? And what are the, maybe a very broad question is why, and then we'll talk about how, when, by whom, all of those things later. Yeah, lots of things I want to say, but I would say because new AI applications are raising some of the kind of most pressing moral and ethical questions, and religion and spirituality has been this reservoir of answers or this sort of framework that steers us toward what's right or isn't right. I think that's true, but to me, that's not the most exciting part of the sort of religion and AI conversation. So I think that's more in ethics in a kind of different direction. Like, who do we want to be in this sort of Mahmoud way where like ethics as self-cultivation, becoming the right sort of person or becoming the right sort of society. And increasingly, AI is helping us imagine what a better world might look like. And I think scholars of religion are really well equipped to think, what is this vision of a better world? Where does it come from? What does it do for us? What is it unable to do? Um, I think I've been in a lot of AI fellowships with mostly computer scientists and then I will make grand gesture as a, this is all messianic hope. This is messianic hope. And sometimes it, it works and sometimes it doesn't, but I think it's a good place to be for religion scholars to sometimes say, what is uh, the kind of dream or the fantasy, uh, the hope that's animating all this? I want to see how Norm reacts, and then I want to react to a couple of things you just said, because you used some excellent and very exciting words. Norm, what are your reactions when she says things like, AI can help us imagine a better world, that it feels almost messianic, that it cannot, it at least has these evocations of hope, that religion matters because, Norm, what, how does this well, So, I'm, well, I, except for the first, I think she's really onto something. I guess personally, my own view is that all we envision with AI is actually based on human creativity. It's not the AI itself that's doing any of that. But beyond that, Suzanne's absolutely right. People do talk about this in messianic terms. And the statements that computer science folks make about ethics and morality sound very similar to the kinds of things that religion, religious people talk about. So yeah, there's quite a bit of commonality. But the other thing I was thinking about as Suzanne was talking is there are these folks who talk about the singularity when we are going to combine ourselves with with 
cyber expertise and artificial intelligence, whatever you want to call it. And it almost strikes me as a 21st century version of the afterlife, right? <laughs> in which everything is great. Everybody can play the violin as well as the best and all the rest of the sort of stuff. <laughs> and it becomes a vision of, of a utopian future realized through the, in this case, the value of AI, as opposed to the beneficence of a deity, but nevertheless, same result. Well, as we go into eschatology, this is very much where my head is at, is sort of blending where Suzanne answers the question and where Norm does. Suzanne's first answer is that like, Religion has typically helped us figure out better ways to live and address these moral questions. And even though that might be the most exciting way to frame it, I actually, in my own understanding of it, frame it slightly differently. I say (laughs) the the eschaton that I see on the horizon is not one of hope. That singularity is not one of necessarily that I'm excited about it. To me, I want to see ways of maintaining our humanity, staying with us. I want them to be preserved. And I think that religion is one, not the only, but one way by which we're going to remain human amidst this singularity that Norm was discussing. I actually thought it was really interesting that we're saying maybe slightly different, maybe they're the same thing, but need to be given some nuance. But Norm makes the point that AI is really product of human ingenuity, just like a lot of other things that AI is indeed a, a human product, which is true so far as I understand AI, but also not true because the point is then the machines take over and perform different tasks that we don't necessarily predict. So anyway, maybe I'm hearing you and we're saying the same thing in different words or, or slightly different, but Norm, I'm curious, after you hear my reaction, did I understand you correctly and did I understand Suzanne correctly? Well, I can't speak for Suzanne, but... but... Yeah, I think more or less you understood me correctly. Yeah, I guess I meant it more. I was making, I guess, a distinction to always brought in the study of religion between scholars of religion and religious practitioners or people committed to particular religious traditions where I understand my own role as a scholar of religion uh, to think about that hope or that dream that there will be, that we can be made better, that our limitations can be overcome overcome if somehow we meld with an algorithm that that will improve us in new ways like i to me that just flags like oh i should pay attention here as a scholar of religion funny see i have the exact opposite like i don't like it i'm like no i want religion to keep me human in the face of but i think what i'm saying is like what when you attend to the religious dimension of that hope then you can see that it is ingenuity like normacy Instead of being fully sucked into the fantasy that we will come into this like techno-liberated world, I think when you attend to the religious dimension of the whole, you precisely see all that is human about it. And that's that to me, that's what's like, exciting about my field or, or about our field. That that that's all we can do. Take that zooming out a little bit and attending to all the work that people do. Yeah, to propel themselves toward what it means to be better or now, what it means to be long. Very well. So, Matthew, what, I'm going to ask a provocative question. What's the difference between a religious figure, I won't mention any names, but you probably can guess, a religious figure that can heal the blind and an AI device that lets the blind see? When you say what's the difference, do you mean what's the difference practically? 
Or what's the difference metaphysically? Like, or, well, well, what's different practically? And but beyond practically, that, no, what's, what's the difference in terms of how people ultimately will begin to think about these same abilities to provide sight to the blind? All right. Well, I think to use uh, Jesus as a matter, Jesus, I'm, I come from a Christian tradition. I identify as Christian. Right, right. I'm going okay. to okay. so, myself. Yeah. Right. Or my, from my, I can speak for myself only, but in, in light of my religious experiences in Christianity. If we're talking specifically about Jesus and his miracles, notions of healing, et cetera, remind me very much of the Gospel of John, where at the end of it, we are expressly told the reason why you have been told these things is that you might believe in Jesus. Whereas the reason why that LASIK surgery or that corneal implant or whatever it is there is not necessarily to bear witness to the veracity of a messiah figure oh on the contrary uh, the way i've read lots of articles at least recently from not from technical people but more general kind of journalists is the reason to believe in the positive value of ai and its future for us is exactly these kinds of things that we used to call miracles that are now being done through ai that's the day of ex machina moment right that the moment you realize that that it was a, a machine that created the miracle, that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, this, is, this is a new version of the Turing test, right? You actually, the Turing test was you, you, the machine could fool you into thinking you were talking to a person. I guess in the next days, the next Turing test is machine can fool you into thinking that you were actually connecting to God. <laughs> and I'm not so sure, I, 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 but I would be curious, kind of in line with what uh, Matthew is saying, uh, is there room for the same kind of relationship? Like a relationship of belief or of commitment to an algorithm or to like some AI, I'm not so sure. I don't know. I will tell you that people do form attachments to their sort of little robots that are companions for them. They're not super intelligent right now, but that can change. I mean, I have an insulin pump that has the fact that the algorithm regulating how much insulin gives me, and it's made me increasingly aware of the limitations of this all power algorithm, right? In the moment you have to live closely with something, you know, also live very closely with the, all its failures and limitations. Right. We are in the early stages of this, no doubt about that. And the, yeah, I, I, but I, I wonder, that makes me think, like, in, in what is really happening, like, how much of it really is hope and longing rather than an, an assessment of like, how are we actually living with machines? Well, some of it is hope. And some of it is just simple projection. Given a certain amount of time, uh, us human beings will figure out how to make these things better. In the same way that 10 years ago, language understanding was pretty awful. You, and, and translation between languages is pretty awful. And, and eventually, using some particularly new methods, it's gotten much, much better. It's not perfect, but it actually is about the same level as human beings can handle translation. So, But that's just happened in the last couple of years. So, it part, so partly what you're hearing is not the sort of the fantasy, but a reasonable guess is a projection of where we are going to be from where we are now. And are there places where you think this projection doesn't make sense? Like, no, I guess like, are there areas of life where maybe that kind of this, this ultimately tuned algorithm that knows what to do isn't actually the answer to what we're really looking for? Like, I, Maybe there can be an algorithm that is as good as a functioning bank this would be, but I don't know. Can we? Are there places where actually what we're looking for is not perfection or complete accuracy? 
Oh, yes. There are plenty of places. I, the rule for me always is not perfection, which is impossible to achieve, but is it better than what we have now? Whether that's other systems or that's having a person do it or whatever, it's always the question, is it sufficiently better that it's worth putting the effort into building this thing and using it? Yeah. I want to return back to the idea of relationships with our algorithms for just a second. Because I thought when you broached that topic a second ago, Suzanne, Norm immediately related it to a very probable context in which the notion of relationship might take place. But we have lots of relationships with things that are not necessarily companionship relationships. And we have dependence to the point you have a relationship with that insulin dependent, with that insulin machine. Like it's it's one of dependence and not companionship, but it's a relationship nonetheless. And I think as we talk about relationships here, what maybe this is getting into my mind is, and maybe I'm not hearing you right, and you're welcome to correct me, is that there is a certain element that we're going to have to realize how to live alongside these machines moving forward and to establish bound. All relationships have to have some healthy boundaries. All relationships have to have some meta reflection. And all of these relationships in our lives, be they with a machine or with a person or with a deity or with a religious community, need to be put into conversation with others in our lives. Like they don't exist in isolation. You are not only in relationship with your dog or your partner. You are also in relationship with your boss and your spouse or in your siblings and whatever. I guess where I'm, the question maybe as I ramble through a bit of circuitous logic is... Can a religion teach us to be properly in relationship with a machine? I don't know. I think that religions can help us structure the way we are relationing. We are in relation to creation, to other humans, to communities of practice, to texts, to stories, to the metaphysical. But can the, do the, are the religions equipped to teach us how to be in relationship with a machine and or a learning machine? I don't know that. I, I don't know either. And I, and I would hesitate to speak for the religions, but I think that like, that is a very exciting question to me. I'm also wondering when you think, for example, of surveillance, that is increasingly conducted through AIs that mark certain things as suspicions, certain communities as suspicions. So in effect, you could say, yeah, people are already living in relationships to machines, maybe not always explicitly acknowledged as this kind of personal AI like in the movie that, that speaks to you. But I think absolutely, if you're Muslim and you're always getting randomly selected for like a text, um, text checkup, I don't know how to say this in English. But when they check your taxes, something like that, because there are numbers that show that certain religious communities are excessively targeted in those, then you're already living. You're already in your citizenship in relation to machines or to algorithms. Norm, I'm I'm rambling. You finish, Norm. No, I just was going to, I thought you were going a little bit different direction. An interesting thought crossed my mind about this is that if you look at religious books, texts, and so forth, and sort of the, the, what the stories say. Part of it has to do with the way human beings treat other human beings, and that's the hardcore of the positive morality that we expect from religions. 
But there's also a reasonable amount of discussion about the relationship of individual people to their deities. And my question is whether or not the way that those relationships are characterized inform how people will be thinking about their relationships with AI. So, so the Bible has human-to-human relationships, and then it has the relationships of humans to others who are superhuman, non-human, whatever, you, whatever your vision is of a deity. And we are talking about the same kind of thing when we talk about the relationships between human beings and AI, aren't we? So what you're saying, I'm going I'm to repeat it in Matthew speak so I can hear what you uh, make sure I know. <laughs> the religion do have the tools to teach us how to think about computers. At least one method by which they do is directly to compare these things with deities. Like, in other words, we're not going to be able to understand them appropriately in a religious context if we don't make a direct comparison to the deity itself. No, all I'm saying is if people adopt patterns and if they're familiar, if they have a, have learned a, a, a pattern of a relationship between a person and something that's more than a person, will, my question is, will they use that knowledge and that familiarity as a way of dealing with this new kind of more than a person we call AI? Just a question. I don't know the answer. I'm just, this gets back to sort of what, how religion informs how people deal with things in their lives, including sort of whole new world of AI. And okay. people are, so Suzanne, finish your thought. Yeah, just say, because I was wondering if we are talking about the future and not how we presently live with AI, which we already do, but the, then in the future, I would guess based on how things are going out, that we're not having like one AI in particular to relate to, but rather like, uh, like all these different applications that are communicating with each other or not. Like, uh, yeah. I wonder what it, that is type of four different. It is today. Patchwork AI. Yeah, it is a patchwork. You're absolutely right. It is today. And I'm one of the people who thinks it's going to continue that way for a good 10 years at least. But there are people working on general AI in which you go to one particular kind of application and it does everything. In fact, just a couple of months ago, um, what they call it, Gato, I think is the name of it, a new piece of software that's called a generalized agent. Could you say more about what that means, Norm? I've got a, I want to ask your, I want you to relate it in his vision for meta. And it, that's a different, little bit different thing. But the, as Suzanne correctly points out right now, we have different kind pieces of software, AI, that are specialized in different areas. Some are good at language translation, some are good at medical diagnosis, some are good at sort of image classification and so forth. And they're built up individually. If you attempt to use them for something that they weren't trained on, they won't be very good and they'll make lots of mistakes. There are people who want to generalize the intellectual capability of AI software so that it can become a polymath, right? A broadly based, have broadly based understanding of the world. So you can ask it almost anything. And no matter what the subject, it will have a good answer for you. That's been the holy grail of a lot of folks. And there's a lot of skepticism and I'm among the skeptics that this is feasible. But on the other hand, we we do have had in the, this year some new software that claims to have that kind of general capability. And in fact, it has shown more general capability than existed before. Whether or not it's going to be enough with progress to achieve the dream of AI workers is a whole other question, but the stuff is becoming more general. So it might be, the point is it might be that 10, 20 years from now, 
we would be going to just one AI. We may be going to Father Google for everything. Who knows? Maybe, but I wonder about that in the if we return to religion as a resource for how to relate to AI, then I'd be curious how that transition from a kind of patchwork where you're relating to lots of different AIs in lots of different cases, what it would mean to shift to like one one general intelligence. Hi. My expectation is there'll be lots of heated debate among religion scholars the same way there was in the creation of most of the modern religions. Thank you for listening. This podcast is a product of the Mid-Atlantic and New England Maritimes regions of the American Academy of Religion. Matthew Vaughn is executive producer. Norm Jackness and Ronald Bernier are producers. All recording, editing, and post-production work was done by David Dalt of Sandberg Media. We would like to extend a special thank you to our guests for their time and their expertise. All opinions expressed in this podcast are solely those of the voices offering them and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of others affiliated with this podcast or the American Academy of Religion. If you would like to learn more about the American Academy of Religion, please visit aarweb.org.